0: Welcome to the Central Christian Church message podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. It is so great to be with you. My name is Jeremy, and for those of you who are in the room with me, or those of you watching online, or at one of the other campuses, so great to have you a part of this as well. Today, we are continuing the series we've been in called Crescendo, as we let this story continue to build. And if you got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to get those out. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. So if you want to get your spot there, uh, that's where we're going to be in just a moment. Now, I don't know how you are with Christmas. I don't know if you love Christmas, you hate Christmas, uh, but just as, a, just, 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 Curious. show a hands. How many of you you are deep into Christmas music? You, you are Christmas music people. Yeah. yeah. How many of you been doing this since November? Yeah, those are my people right there. I love it. I love Christmas music. It just helps me to get in the, the spirit, get the feelings. I love all about it. In fact, I've been working on my own playlist for the last seven years on Spotify. And every year I fine tune this thing. I add new albums. I remove songs that got a little old last year, you know. And, and I'm up to like 2,000 plus songs now. So that's like the level of obsession I have. I love this. But I love, there's so many lyrics in these songs that caused me to reflect, caused me to think about things of Christmas that I'll be, you know, driving on the road, but, oh, that's a, that's a really good thing. Like one of the songs is called, do you hear what I hear? Right. And that's a great Christmas question uh, because there's so much noise right now. So many things going on and, and parties and things to do and the to-do list is stacking up and all this, the busyness, And we go, yeah, how how do you know what to be listening for? Do you hear what I hear? And and if you're like us, we have five kids at home. So then you add a ton of noise there. And and before long, it can just be so noisy. So as we talk about silence in some of the series, you might go, I don't even know what silence is anymore. I haven't had silence for so long. And if that's you, I have some good news today that for about 20 bucks, about 20 bucks, you can buy your very own can of silence. Check this out. I kid you not, it's a real product that you can get 45 grams of pure silence. Doesn't that sound good? Like, oh, I need some of that. Some of you are like, does Costco sell it in bulk? You know, I need, I need like tons of this, right? Although if you read the fine print on the website, it says, please note the cans are sealed and meant for sculptural purpose only. So if you open your can of silence, you lose the silence, which is kind of a sad reality there. Uh, But we're going to talk about what happens when we get used to the noise and yet God is trying to say something. God is trying to break through. That's what we're going to see today. And so if you're with me in Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 5. And here's what I'll tell you. This is one of those stories that you usually like skip over or you like read quickly through to get to the good stuff, right? Like, yeah, okay, some other stuff happened. And then where's Jesus? Like, let's get to Jesus. And certainly this is a story with a crescendo. But let's not miss the power of the story that we're going to see today because this is some good news for you and I as we find ourselves in this story as well. So in Luke chapter one, verse five says this. When Herod was king of Judea, There was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. When the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Now, what you may not realize at this time in Israel's history is that there was a lot of priests and only one temple, which means there wasn't enough work to go around. And so what they did is they decided to cast lots for who got the opportunity to do the really cool job. So offering incense was a big deal. If you were the priest that got chosen to offer incense, you got to go beyond all the other priests and you got to have this really cool experience. It was such a significant experience that you could only do it once in your lifetime. So if you as a priest were chosen, that was your shot. You did not get to do it again. And indeed, many priests throughout their entire life never, got the chance to offer uh, incense like this. Now, Zechariah is old. So he has gone many years, being a priest, never had the chance to do this. And so now it's his turn. He finally gets the opportunity to do this. Now, it's not exaggerated to say this could have been one of the most significant days in Zechariah's whole life. I mean, this day above all other days could have been like a monumental day that he had been waiting for and envisioning for most of his life, certainly for most of his career. Now, we know a little bit about him and his wife. He's a priest. He's married to a priest's daughter. So both of them come you know, from a profession of, of you know, kind of devout followers of, of God. But then we also know the text says that they were righteous. So these are, these are model you know, examples of what it looks like to follow God well. And you go, yeah, they're going to have everything figured out. Except, notice the one tension in the story, that they had wanted to have children and couldn't. So, so you have this, this couple held up, and, and they want children, but they can't. And then we're told that they're very old. Why does it tell us that they're very old? Because I don't think Zechariah and Elizabeth are waking up in the morning going, hey, today could be the day. What do you think? How are you feeling? Right? You know, they're, they're not having that conversation. It's like, no, we're past that. We're old. I'm old. You're old. This ain't going to happen for us. We tried. It wasn't going to be. And so we know they're very old. In fact, priests didn't even have a retirement age. So he could just keep going and going and going until he dies. And so we don't know how old they are, but we, we can kind of deduce. They probably didn't think that their story was going to change. Now, I have to imagine there's got to be some level of either confusion frustration perhaps, maybe anger, bitterness, as to God, why have we done all of this and you haven't delivered for us? Like God, it'd be so easy for you to help us have a child and then we could be a family and why, why would you not help us do that? I got to imagine that's a question Zechariah has had to wrestle with, with God over the years. God, I've, I've given my life to you given my career to you. I mean I mean, we, we're all in on this. Why, why can we not be parents? And there's some frustration that they've had to deal with. So they've got this personal journey with God, of, of waiting and longing. But then Israel as a nation is also going through. We talked about this last week, that Israel's coming off of 400 years of silence. Now that number's a little hard to, to wrap your mind around. Uh, so think about it this way: It's the 16 to 20 generations of people that have lived and died and no great display or voice of God uh, to to write about. So in the Hebrew scriptures, you have all these things that God was doing and then all of a sudden, nothing. We we, we don't have anything that that is is passed on, anything that's recorded, anything that was notable. Just just 400 years, which means like, you'd be like, hey, I haven't heard God speak and my dad hasn't and my grandfather hasn't and his dad hasn't. You go back and back and back and back 16 to 20 generations. These were people who knew how to wait because that's all they had known. For generation after generation, we are waiting for God to show up. Don't know if he will. Don't know if he's gone. Don't know if he left us for some better nation that he's going to be with. But, But we're hoping, we're hoping that he'll come around. Which begs the question, like, how good are we really at waiting? How good are you and I at waiting? If you're curious on how good you are, just Stroll by the DMV for fun, you know, just see how your body reacts to that, blood pressure, all that, you know, just just for, just fun. You know, have someone just kind of make you wait or or do anything with a child, right? Like this is parenting. Parenting is constantly waiting. I've got five and and I've learned the formula. You know, usually if you have two people on a project, it goes quicker, except if one of those is your child, it goes the other way, right? It's going to take twice as long. And this is fine because I like spending time with my kids and it's meaningful, but you just learn, hey, whatever we were trying to do, it's, the efficiency level going to drop uh, if I bring you into this. And so you just kind of factor that in. Now, this happens in areas where I, I don't even expect it, where it kind of catches me off guard. The other day, I was going to go for a walk and I love just walking around our neighborhood, getting out the fresh air getting some time to think. And, and so I was going to go for a walk and our, our kids happened to be home. And so I asked our daughter, I said, hey, you want to go for a walk with me? She's like, yeah, let's do it. And so I've got different walking speeds. I've got my normal walking speed. I've got my airport walking speed. And then I've got walking speed with a child, which is somewhere, you know, way down here. And, and so I'm already slowly leisurely walking this neighborhood, okay? So we're, we're not going far. We're gonna walk in our neighborhood. We're having just a nice you know, conversation and, and we're walking. I'm looking at the trees and the sky and just kind of taking it all in, enjoying some time with my daughter. Well, as we're walking at one point, I hear her say, dad, we gotta stop. I'm tired. Okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll stop. And so she, you know, she stops and I'm just kind of looking around and giving her a moment to catch her breath. She'll be fine. And then we'll keep walking. So about the time I I think, okay, that's been long enough. She's probably had her break. She's good. I mean, we're not bringing water. This is not like a hike we're going on. This is just in our neighborhood. And so I'm like, all right, she's probably good. I turn around to see, and this is what I find. (laughs) This is my daughter fully sprawled out on the sidewalk. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? She's like, I'm exhausted. Like how, how, how? How can you be exhausted? We are leisurely walking around our neighborhood. I, I don't understand. And she's like, Dad, I can't, I can't even get up right now. I can't even stand right now. I'm too tired. I need a break. So we just stood there for a while while she had, you know, some time to, to recoup her strength. Uh, and, and then we, we went. And, and it's just like, this is what it's like, you know, to, to raise kids. Like you just have these moments of waiting. But the reality is we also have those deeper things. Those things that we're waiting for uh, to get resolved, to get changed. And, and those things often come with pain. Those things often are associated with a hurt. And so maybe if you were to be honest, you go, well, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for my marriage to be different. Because there's so much pain. And, and I'm hoping someday it won't be like it is right now. I'm hoping someday that, that, that this can turn around. This could be better than it is maybe for you, I, I, it's just, I, I, I wish I was married. I hope someday I can find that person. I can, I can start that family and I, I can have that. Or maybe if you're honest for you, you wish you weren't married and life would be so much easier if I didn't have this relationship. There's all sorts of things that we have. And again, I don't know what it is for you. It could be your job. I, I just can't, I can't imagine doing this, in, you know, 10 more years. Like, I, I don't know why I'm doing it now. And maybe you got into it because the pay was good or uh, you felt significant, but now it feels soulless. I I don't know. Uh, So many people just feel lost in that. When, When is that gonna change? When is that gonna feel different? Maybe like Zechariah and Elizabeth, you wanna have kids and you haven't been able to. It's a huge pain for a lot of people. Or maybe you have kids and one of those relationships has gone sour and you want that relationship healthy so badly, but you don't know how to do it. Maybe for you, it's your health. I'm just dealing with that thing and I don't wanna deal with it anymore. I don't wanna struggle with it anymore. It hurts. I have to wake up every day and I have to deal with this. Why, why can't that be gone? Why can't that be changed? See, in general, we could just say, I, I, just, I just wish things were different. I, I wish things could not be more of what they are. And for many people, if we're honest, that's what we would say. Or perhaps, I, I wish things didn't hurt so bad. I wish this pain wasn't so vivid, wasn't so real. Now these are things we often don't tell people in conversation because we don't know how to resolve them, we don't know what to do with them, and it gets uncomfortable. But maybe when you're alone, maybe when it's quiet, maybe when there's silence, these, these thoughts come back, and you go, "Yeah, that, that's that's something that I'm wondering about. I'm I'm longing for resolution on that." When I was a pastor in Oregon, I remember one day one of staff came into my office, and they said the police are here. And so said, okay. And so I go down and I talk to the police and I said, hey, we need to show you something in the parking lot. So I walk out and there's this pickup truck there and it was a truck I didn't recognize. And they explained to me that a man had come the previous night, parked his pickup truck there, got in the bed of the truck and ended his life. And I remember trying to process this going, I, 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 don't, I don't even have like a box to put this in. I don't, I don't know how to make sense of this. And, and so literally spent that morning just trying to work through that issue. And and, and I remember at one point watching them clean blood off of the the church parking lot. These are just this image that I just was wondering, what was this guy looking for? What was he longing for? What hurt was he dealing with? Did he come there that day because he thought maybe in a church parking lot he could hear from God? Did he think maybe that God would supernaturally do something? I just remember asking questions over and over as I replayed that incident. What was going on there? What was he looking for? There's this pain that I know. I've done this long enough. We, we can cover it, we can mask it, but I know that it exists for most of us. There are pains that we live with. There are hurts that we live with. And, and when we're honest, we say, yeah, God, wh- what's up? Why are you being silent on this? Why are you not fixing this? Why are you not making this right? And I think Zechariah and Elizabeth, they know that feeling. God, we've asked you for so many years. This would be so easy for you. Why wouldn't you just let us have a family? And so they just get used to it. They get used to the silence. Okay, I guess not. And Zechariah goes through the motions. But check out verse 11. When Zechariah was in the sanctuaries, now this is his moment to go beyond where the other priests are going. He gets to go in. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Now stop here. I, I have to believe Zechariah gets in there, he sees this angel. And I think this thought went through his mind. Does that angel appear to everybody in here? Right, because he's never been inside before. It's his only time. And so he's probably wondering, is this like the, like the big joke, like nobody tells you, you're about to go meet an angel when you go inside? And so I imagine he walks in and he's going, why did nobody tell me about the angel? They told me about the other stuff. They didn't tell me there was gonna be an angel here. What's the deal with the angel? Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah, God is going to break the silence. Oh, and here's a fun fact. He's going to use you and your wife to do it. That you and your wife are going to have a key role in what God is doing. And here's what's wild. Check this out. You've been praying for a kid. God's going to give you a kid. And not only that, this kid is going to set up a big surprise that God's going to uh, unveil on everybody. So you get not only your prayer answered, but like so much more than that. Your kid is going to be incredibly significant. I imagine Zechariah is just trying to process this, going, okay, not only am I going to have a child, but my child is going to be like a a pretty big deal. You know, like, wait, what? And and it's hard to even understand. The the language that is used, the angel compares him to Elijah. Now, if you've ever read the Old Testament, you know Elijah's a big deal. Even if you haven't read the Old Testament, you've probably heard the name Elijah because he's a major deal. He's a major prophet. And, And so there have not been prophets like Elijah for 400 years. And, and Zechariah's going, wait, you, you mean there's going to be another Elijah? And I'm going to be his dad? Like that is a lot to wrap your mind around. Like this is going to be incredible. Now Zechariah is a priest who's been doing this his whole life. You've got to imagine there's some verses in, in the Hebrew scriptures, what we think of as the Old Testament, right? Going through his mind at this point, going, wait a minute, I've read about this. I've heard about this. Wait, I I, I know this. This story sounds familiar. Like, I wonder if he thought about Malachi 3.1. Look, I am sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Uh, uh, Oh, yeah, God, God talked about this. God said that someone was gonna come and, and now I'm going to raise that person. I'm going to be his dad. I and mean, that's a lot to process. And then he finds out, oh yeah, he'll have the Holy Spirit before he's born. Now you and I look at this, we're like, big deal. I have the Holy Spirit. Like, what does that mean? Here's what you have to understand. You and I live on this side of the resurrection, this side of the day of Pentecost, where it was, the Holy Spirit was readily made available to the church. That was not the case during this time. The Holy Spirit was not readily available like it is today in the way that we understand it. And so you have to realize when you read in the Old Testament that someone had the Holy Spirit, that was notable. And, and, and so you're not going to see that again until after the resurrection of Jesus when the Holy Spirit is, is just you know, kind of moving everywhere. But at this point, he's going, he's going to be like Elijah. He's going to have the Holy Spirit before he's born. I mean, you can imagine Zechariah trying to process what on earth is this child going to be? I mean, this is incredible. Go to verse 18. Check out Zechariah's reaction to all of this news. He says this. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. (sighs) That kills me. Oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of old and like really old. And like, I don't know if you've seen my wife. She's really old too. I don't know. This is like, doesn't make sense. I don't think that this could happen. I mean, 30 seconds ago, Zechariah is terrified that there's an angel standing there. And now he's like, "Mm, nope, don't agree with you. Don't believe you. I think this sounds too good to be true. I mean, like the audacity, if you would ask me, hey, who's gonna be the best to respond to an angelic vision? My money's on Zechariah. Like I think Zechariah, he's old. He's been a priest for a long time. This guy has seen some things. He will be ready for it. And he's not. And so he sees this and does not believe it. And then you get, I I love the angel's reaction. Verse 19, then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Now I imagine like Gabriel got a little salty here. It's kind of the way I hear it, you know, like, excuse me, Zechariah, excuse me. Do you know who I am? And if you don't know, Gabriel is one of three archangels in scripture. I mean, he's a big deal angel, but he is not claiming of that. Notice his claim to fame. You want to know who you're talking to? I stand in the presence of God. Like I was face to face. In fact, he says, it was he, God, who sent me to bring you this good news. You think I just made it up, Zechariah? You think I just decided this would be fun? I'm bringing this message to you directly from the face of God. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Now here's a question that I have. This is just my question. Did Gabriel come up with this idea or did God? Right? Because I kind of love imagining it was Gabriel. Like God's like, wait, what? What did he just say? Like Gabriel's like, oh, you're not gonna listen? Check out what I can do. Like nine months, year ago. Okay, that's just that's just me. I'm working through it. Uh, For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. This is great. They're outside. They're like, I think he died. Yeah, I think he did. For sure he's dead. Oh, there's no way he's going. gone. It doesn't take that long. It does, it does not take that long to do this. He's got to be dead. Did you hear screams? I didn't hear screams. I mean, he, he's got to be dead. I mean, they're outside literally plotting. Like what happened to him? It does not take this long. Why is he still in there? Nothing good can come of this. Like Zechariah, they probably were like, he, he, he had some sin. He had something going on. So meanwhile, they're waiting. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized From his gestures and his silence, that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. (laughs) I love this story so much. Look, Zechariah is so bad at charades that all they can deduce from his story is he must have seen something. What? I mean, Zechariah, you got to do better. Like, he could be like, I mean, like, something, like, work the story out a little bit. They got nothing. They're like, I'm picking up that he's seen something in there. yeah, for sure. He has seen something in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. "How kind the Lord is," she exclaimed. "He has taken away my disgrace of having no children." I just love the story so much. What happens when you live? In silence. What happens when you live without a regular sense of the voice of God? The answer is you get used to it. You adjust. That becomes your new normal. And so Zechariah has just gotten used to it. He's adjusted. And when he finally hears God speak, when he finally hears what God is doing, he can't even keep up with it. He can't even wrap his mind around it. And so ironic, and an ironic twist, Zechariah is now gonna be silent for nine months after God has been silent for 400 years. Zechariah's gonna to go to a little calm down spot and have some time to think about you know, what, what he had just done. And as I was thinking about this, it makes me wonder this. Could our silence help us make sense of God's silence? Like, could there be something here? Like, maybe this wasn't a punitive uh, punishment for Zechariah. Maybe God truly is like, hey, Zechariah, you're, you're having a hard time keeping up with what I'm doing. It's a lot. So I'm gonna have you just be silent for nine months to process it, to absorb it, to take in rather than you having to constantly communicate. You're just, you're just gonna have, have a, a season just to absorb all this. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I can't help but think that God could solve quite a few problems today if he would just pick a few certain people and make them silent for nine months. Anybody with me, right? Like I can think of a few names, maybe you can as well, like God, just that person Make them silent, I'm not asking forever, just nine months, right? Nine months and man, a lot of our problems could be solved the same technique. But, but evidently it's not a thing that God uses all too often. But in this case, Zechariah is silent for eight months. Now, what do we do usually when God is silent in our lives? We usually get louder. Like, okay, God, you're gonna be silent. I'm gonna get louder. I will fill this void with my voice. And, and so we do that. But again, I wonder if there's something here. Like, like what if instead of whenever we're fired up, we're mad, we're angry, instead of going to social media to blast about some event or blast about some person, what if we like were silent for a little bit and prayed about it first? I know, weird thought. Like what if we just said, hey, before I go and speak all this, I wanna listen to God's voice and just kind of make sure I'm, I'm not off on this. And, and then after, then I'll still pose it if I still feel it. I got to think a lot of what I see posted. I'm going, you're not sitting in in that very long. You're not sitting in that silence. You're not listening much in that posture. What if we just attempted it differently? See the reality is we've got expectations, each of us do. And if our expectations aren't met, we react to it. If we have an expectation and it's anything below it, we we give this negative reaction and and we just kind of do it without realizing it. There's actually some part of this that is a part of the Christmas experience, right? Uh, of expecting certain things and trying to deliver on it. In fact, as adults, I'm convinced, we spend most of our adult lives trying to recapture some of the feelings we had of Christmas as a kid. So we listen to the same music. We go and play those movies that we used to like, right? We're trying to get back to what we know exists. And even in we, the way we give gifts, we can often play with this. Like for example, I'm going to show you a present and I want you to guess what's inside the present. Okay. So we'll see how good your expectations are. Number one, what's inside of this. (laughs) And yes, this is a working cannon present, but it's just wrapping a golf umbrella. The whole gift is for a golf umbrella, although I suspect I wouldn't want to actually get the golf umbrella. I would want to keep that because that is a work of art, but all of that was to disguise a golf umbrella, okay? How about this one? What, what is this a gift of? You're all, you're all afraid. I'm not guessing anymore. Obviously, those are tree trimmers. I don't know how you don't see it. Those are tree trimmers. Uh, now, I hope That's not given to a child because that is a cruel joke. If you gave that to a kid, but because it's tree trimmers, I'm also going to hope you didn't give a kid tree trimmers, but you know, teach their own. Uh, How about one more? We'll give you a chance. What is this a present? It's a necklace. How do you not see that? I mean, of course, all these things, right? Well, the reason why these are fun is because they're messing with someone's expectation. And here's the deal. If you set expectation and you go below it, That's where we have a negative reaction. I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, I'm sad. But what happens when you exceed an expectation? What happens when you get used to this and then all of a sudden this shows up and you go, whoa, I didn't even think that could happen. Because that's what happens with God. Now jump down to verse 57. I wanna show you kind of the tail end of this part of the story. After all of this, what's the the fruit of all this conversation? Verse 57 says, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's no one in all of your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him, which is fascinating because it indicates that not only was John silent, he was deaf as well for nine months, that he couldn't hear them. So they're gesturing to him in order to communicate to him. He motioned for a writing tablet and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. This is a story of God fulfilling God's promises. And yet really all stories are, are that story. And yet we don't often have the perspective. We don't necessarily see all the things and in this one, we get a glimpse of what God is up to. And this is building this idea of, of what you thought, and it's actually far better than that. And I love what was said last week, that God's silence is not the same as God's absence, right? They, they had concluded God's gone. And now they go, oh, no, he wasn't gone. He wasn't God. He, he was just being quiet. He was setting up this next phase. And there's also a huge takeaway, and and maybe this is for you today if you just need a a word of encouragement, but one of the things we see from the story is that God's commitment to us doesn't depend on our faith, right? Like God doesn't look at Zechariah and go, Zechariah, because you didn't believe me, I'm going to go to some other parents who are asking for a child, and they're going to get to raise John. You blew it. You had one shot. You blew it. You didn't trust me. No, God's commitment to Zechariah is not dependent on Zechariah's faith or lack thereof. And maybe today that's the message you need to hear, that God's commitment to you is not dependent on your faith. God is far better than we can ever imagine. He exceeds our expectation. And so it takes nine months, but Zechariah finally catches up. He finally figures out what God is doing. And yet the reality is I think we can relate with Zechariah. Because I think for some of us, maybe God has been communicating something to you and your response has been very similar to Zechariah going, I, I don't think so. God, I don't think this can change. I don't think my story can change. I don't think my reality can change. And God's going, no, 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 it can change. It can be different. And maybe you're just having a really hard time believing that. And like Zechariah, you're going, I, I, I just don't see it. See, we can start to hold on to the silence because the silence feels comfortable. And I think if you've been used to silence long enough, you just hold it. I, I know this. I'm familiar with this. Well here's what I wrote down. Sometimes we choose the familiar pain instead of an unknown change. Yeah, this hurts, but I, I know this hurt. i I know this pain. So I'd rather stick with this than some unknown thing that God might want to do that I don't know where that's gonna go. And so I don't want to take that risk. I don't I don't know how that will play out. So I'll just hold on to this pain. And maybe today you're choosing to hold on to that pain, even though God said, Hey, I wanna I wanna do something to like that. I wanna move you forward with that. So my question for each of us is, which longing are you living with? What is that longing? What is that ache inside of you that you're living with, that you hope God would show up, God would do something? What if you started with the premise that God is with you now, that God is in your midst? And then you ask, what would it look like for God to show up? What would it look like for God to meet you there I love the question that they ask of John at the end of this passage. What will this child turn out to be? Right? We've seen some things, some weird things happening with this kid. What will this child turn out to be? They don't know the answer to that. We're not going to find that out till later. That's the crescendo of this story. But they know something's up. What will that child turn out to be? I want you to personalize that question. What will your story turn out to be? What will God do in your story? God's, God's at work. God's doing something. Something's off. What will what we do with your experiences and, and, and your pain and your, your journey and your joys and the way that you're wired? What, what's God going to do with all of that? What will your story turn out to be? Part of the reason we, we, we don't you know, really lean into this, we downplay it, is because we just kind of assume, this is who I am today. This is how I'll always be. I'll never change. I'll, I'm just going to be this person. And we don't realize how much we have the capacity to grow to be different, to, to keep adapting the things that have happened to us in life or, or things that we're learning, right? And, and I, I've seen this in my own life in a variety of ways. One example was uh, earlier this year, we had to lay down our dog, put our dog to sleep. And uh, she was 17 years old. She'd lived a long life. And we had her before we had kids. And so this was kind of like Michelle and I's dog. And, uh, and I, I just we'd been through so much with this dog. But she stopped eating and she couldn't walk up the stairs anymore. And just normal movements looked very painful to her. And, and so we realized, hey, it, it, it's time. And I remember as we processed all this, i like, you know, when we got this dog, we had no kids. She, she was our focus. And, and then after that, we added five kids, and they had to become the focus. And so I never considered myself really a dog person, right? Because like, well, yeah, I have a dog. I love our dog, but I'm raising kids. And like, that's a full-time job. So I'm like going to focus on the kids. And so I, I told Michelle, I said, hey, you know, after this, let's take a break. And let's just maybe wait till the kids are grown, they're out of the house. Then we can get another dog. And then it can be our dog again, and we'll have you know the time and the, the attention for that. And so yeah, that makes sense. And so the, we go through the process of putting our dog to sleep. And I'll just be honest with you, it wrecked me. I mean, it messed me up profoundly, and I, I was not anticipating that. Uh, and so I was a little bit surprised by all of the emotions that I felt. And I know many of you have had this similar experience. But as I'm processing all of that, it's like something inside of me shifted. Like it was it was different, it was, it was not the same. I didn't feel the same way anymore after that experience. As I remember, you know, a few days after that, just kind of processing and, and I realized I was far more attached to our dog than I even realized. I had far more connection and, and losing her and having the, the sense of all of that and go through that experience really ha- had, you know, a profound experience on me, profound shaping on me. And so it was not too long after that that I started kind of like floating the idea of like, what if we got a dog sooner? You know, like, I don't know, like maybe not wait till the kids are out of the house. Like, I don't, I don't know, what, what would that look like? And you just kind of casually threw it out there. Like, I don't, I don't need a dog, but you know, just if we wanted to. And, and literally, my wife Michelle realized, she's like, this dog has done something to you. Like, you, you are not the same person. I did not expect this. Uh, and so th- we kept that conversation going and we ended up doing something I, I would never in a million years have even told you I was capable of. We got a puppy Okay, I've never had a puppy in my life. I'm not a puppy person. I'm not a dog person, right? But we go and we get this little puppy and I am just like smitten with this dog. Our kids are. It's just an incredible addition. I'm like, I am so glad we didn't wait. I love this dog. And then we thought, what's the logical thing you do after you get a puppy? You adopt an older sibling. That's a two-year-old dog that needs a home. And so I want to show you a photo of both of the dogs that we now have but I am not a dog person, okay? That's what I need you to understand. And here's what my friends keep telling me, like, Jeremy, at what point will you just embrace it? Like, at what point will you just acknowledge like you love dogs? Like this is you now. And here's what's funny, it's like a weird shift because in my mind for so many years, that's like, no, I'm not that person. And yet I realize like, I don't have to keep being the person I was. I can keep growing and keep changing. And, And that's how life works. And this is profoundly how God works that God will show up and God will change us. And God will use experiences in ways that we can't even anticipate. And we don't have to be the same person we were. And we can experience new things in the future that we didn't even think were possible in the past. And so when you begin to see God like this, you begin to ask, God, what do you wanna do in my marriage? God, what do you wanna do in my family with, with the, our desire to have kids or our strained relationship with our kids? God, what do you wanna do in my career? God, what do you wanna do with my body? I mean, you start asking different questions when you really think of God showing up. What will this story turn out to be? And when you remember that God's commitment to you is not dependent on your faith, you start to set your expectations higher. Your God, you are so good. I have no idea what you're gonna do next, but I wanna say yes to it. I want it to be a part of the journey that you have for me. And so I wanna close with this image, this quote from Austin Channing Brown. She writes this, instead of waiting for the bright sunshine, I have learned to rest in the shadow of hope. May we rest in the shadow of hope as we listen for the voice of God. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you speak. Thank you that you're not silent. And most of all, thank you that you're not absent. Even when it's hard for us to perceive it or even when we we are not aware of what you're doing, may we be reminded that you're with us, that you're present, that you're, you're committed to us, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't believe it, even when it sounds too good to be true. And so for all the hurts and pains represented here today, I pray that we would be reminded of your goodness in the midst of it and that we would start to to ask the same question, what will this turn out to be? What will this story turn out to be when we submit our lives to an amazing God who has what's best for us? May we experience that, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.